Hello and welcome to another episode of Pakistanomy. Today I have the honor of having Junaid Iqbal join me uh, for a this discussion and he needs no introduction he was ceo and md at kareem and kareem pay so junaid thank you for taking out the time really appreciate you joining us and welcome to pakistanomy thank you so much uzair it's actually it's a pleasure to it's a pleasure to be here and i look forward to our chat so i want to start with kareem and the story of kareem and his success and you know the fact that it went from a startup uh, an idea into a startup that was sold to Uber for over $3 billion, which was phenomenal. Also phenomenal because much of the leadership of the company comes from Pakistanis and Pakistani origin. And it really made a mark about the fact that Pakistanis also can scale up a startup and make their voice heard on a global scale. So I want to hear your thoughts in terms of that journey with Kareem and what did it take to be so successful as a startup? It's uh, it's still very fresh, uh, right? So uh, me uh, moving on on from Kareem. So all the thoughts from the last five years are are coming back. Um, if I share the journey from how how my journey started with Kareem, uh, literally got a call from Munis Rahman once uh, one day, who is one of the earliest internet founders of Pakistan, internet uh, uh, entrepreneurs of Pakistan, and. He said something to the effect, Do you, have you heard of Kareem? And I said, no. He said, have you heard of Uber? He said, yes, I have used them in the U.S. So he said, Istra Mudassar Sheikha is the, is the founder and CEO. He's a really nice guy. He's in Pakistan. He's looking to, he's recently raised some money as well, and he's looking for a Pakistan CEO. So we were introduced. Uh, we met. Um, it was uh, immediate, immediately we, we clicked. And um, I was fascinated by this person to begin with, how how smart and successful this person was, and yet how humble uh, he was, and 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 the idea started flowing about Kareem starting Kareem in Pakistan, and everyone he'd spoken to had pretty much said, "Okay, this this can't happen. Like no one's gonna get into a car with a stranger in Pakistan." And frankly, that's what I said to him as well. <laughs> and and to to that, his his response was, "Well, how do we change that?" And I think some of our early conversations were about uh, security or perception of security and how will we tackle that. And then that started a journey where we first launched in Lahore, which was a safer city. Um, and uh, we learned the ropes there. We built a really, really uh, complex uh, captain verification program. Uh, no, no program exists in Pakistan. You can't go to the government and have them vet a person for you. So we had to piece this together, some some from government databases, some from other databases, uh, and we hired to hire a private agency to go and do due diligence on people. So we started on day one with that with that strong foundation. What really helped uh, the growth journey of Kareem, I think, not just in Pakistan, but in other countries, was it was a very, very uh, decentralized model. In every country, we found really good people who we could work with, who were really determined, very intelligent, very smart, uh, willing to work very hard, and, and people of integrity. And, and, every, and, and people who would run through walls to solve problems. And uh, I think that talent, that talent as it started to come in, started to solve the problems for each of the countries. And every country did have slightly different uh, challenges. I think those started uh, getting solved. And... Uh, but for Pakistan, I feel 
the greatest, greatest excitement for the entire team was the job creation bit. Uh, and it became, a, at least for me personally, it became an obsession. I remember having a chat with Madasir in the early days uh, saying, man, what if we end up creating 10,000 jobs? That will be incredible. You know, we'll feel like we've done something good in life. And Alhamdulillah, uh, today, more than half a million captains are registered um, just in Pakistan. And if you look at the impact on the region, um, there were a lot of constituents for whom moving was very difficult, especially women, young women who had to wanted to be a more active part of the economic space or go study or, or do whatever they have to do. I think they were the most hit, especially women in the middle income groups, because the buses aren't weren't as friendly or as easily available and private cars weren't as uh, abundant to that group. And I think that's that's one one group which was our first customer, which was our first advocate for, for, for the longest time. Uh, women were larger part of our user base than men. And that is something we, we take a lot of pride in. And and as this, this started to happen, this was the first such tech story. Uh, we got such ex, uh, such amazing people joining us, you know. I mean, for example, you would have a, a, a guy who just returned from studying at Duke, wanting to join Kareem as a supply manager. And supply manager was one of the most exciting jobs, right? Because you cracked either supply acquisition or quality or retention or the bonus and and guarantees and the financial bit of it. And at a very young age, you got real responsibility. You were, you were making decisions and choices which would result in millions of dollars going care out there. And so here's a guy who's coming back from Duke and he's saying, I want to be a supply manager at Kareem. And he's from Lahore and we're saying, well, all the supply manager spots are already full. He's like, well, so where, where do you have these spots available? We're like, Faisalabad. He moved to Faisalabad. Wow. So guy but just graduating from Duke, coming back to Pakistan, moving to Faisalabad. And so, and, and when you ask, would ask them why, uh, suddenly, I mean, the stories you heard, people had so much passion to do something for Pakistan. People were so purpose and mission driven. I think there were so many people who were just looking to do something good. And, and here was a company where they were learning about technology, they were learning about business, they were getting to do um, uh, take decisions at a very young age, but most importantly, uh, they were they were getting a chance to be a part of an economic and social transformation. And I think that's that was the secret sauce uh, that 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 mission alignment and how everyone brought their passion to the job and still do. Kareem is a very very it's a very different company. It's it's got a very that's why it has a very cultish feel to it as well, because people who come here come with very strong intentions. And I think one thing that our founders, Mudassar and Magnus, did very early in the day, Kareem means generous, right? So they wanted to be generous to the captains, generous to the customers, and generous to our colleagues. And so from a very early, from the very right from the beginning, we had a stock option program. So whoever joined us was not just an owner on, like in their mind, they were a real owner. And I think that was another secret sauce. That's, that's how it went. I'm sure we'll, we'll uh, speak and write more about it in the future.
Yeah, and it's a it's a fantastic. You know, I I've used the service every time I've been in Pakistan, and you know, using that talking to drivers and the captains in terms of their experiences. And I know it's cliche to talk about. Oh, I sat in a taxi and spoke to my taxi driver and have a view of the world or of the country. But the most interesting thing to me was every time I spoke to someone who was driving me was how empowered they felt about their own prospects, their financial prospects. They had access to social mobility. There were people who were, you know, who went from earning 20, 25,000 rupees a month in, in jobs that would not give them the mobility that they needed in their life to driving for Kareem and making 100, 150,000 rupees a month and having control over, you know, how much they wanted to work and having a stake in, and, and the reward in terms of the hard work they were putting. And, and to me, as a user, that was the most interesting bit about what Kareem did, because in a Pakistani market, as far as I've seen, those opportunities for social mobility, particularly for those who may, you know, are at the minimum wage level are not there, um, or they're very limited in nature, right? And so offering that was, I think, the most phenomenal contribution. And the fact that you have over half a million captains in the country is just, is just amazing. The one thing I wanted to talk about in terms of that journey was what were one or two like challenges that you encountered along the way in Pakistan that now when you look back on and say, okay, well, we didn't anticipate that or either we didn't anticipate the scale of that problem or we didn't anticipate that it would be solved in the way that you may have thought it would be solved when you were in the midst of that. I mean, there were so many and they kept changing. Um, in the early days, we had to solve for safety and security. And every day we discover something new and, 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 and we went ahead to solve it. Car ownership is very low in Pakistan. So when we launched this, uh, it wasn't like the U.S., where more than 800 out of 1,000 people own a car. In Pakistan, it's only 18 out of 1,000. So you didn't have people who owned a car and were willing to join your platform. There were people who wanted to join your platform and the people who owned a car. So we had to come up with a matching mechanism, which was fun because we ended up creating a, a Kareempreneur program. These are people who owned cars, but and then they, they partnered with a captain and they registered. So a vendor and a, and a captain would come together. Probably the first, I would say, probably the first ad scale side hustle program in the country, <laughs> I would say. Yes, it, 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 it was so much fun to see, you know, all, all sorts of people, young, young people trying to do their first venture, people already in jobs, people in banks. Uh, um, the, then another interesting thing we didn't realize we'd encounter was, was there was, in the early days, there was a social stigma around being like a driver. So, so it took a little bit of time for that captain pride to kick in. I'll tell you a story. So uh, I would travel between Lahore and Islamabad, Karachi all the time and Islamabad and Lahore and, our, and Lahore, our office was close to uh, in defense. And I used to take the 7 p.m. flight back often from Lahore. So I took, like I left my office at like 5.30 and I got into the car with this gentleman, really nice gentleman. He was a structural engineer, made about, I think, 90,000 rupees. And I asked him, you know, what's happening? Uh, he said, well, I have three kids. One is about to go to college. One is about to be like in 10th grade. So now I need more cash. So, uh, so he was very happy. Uh, but he said, but I haven't only my f close friends know and my side of the family knows. My, my in-laws don't know. I said, oh, and why not? He said, well, I don't want them to know. I've told my kids strictly, don't, don't tell them. I said, okay. 
sorry, at that time only his close family knew. Only his close family knew. Anyways, two months or so later, I ran into him. Same situation, running for the 7 p.m. flight, running late as usual. Get into the car with the same gentleman. Of course, I recognize him. He recognizes me. We start having a chat again. I'm like, so, sir, but I, you had said last time that uh, your in-laws don't know. Uh, he said, yes, I still haven't told them. But what has changed from last time is three of my best friends now know. And they've also joined. And now we all drive on the side with Kareem and we share notes. So I think that was that was that was in, uh, that was something we did not see coming that this would be a huge social stigma. But that stigma went away slowly, and then you'd run into people with uh, degrees, people who were working with banks who'd say, "I don't you know." In the morning, I work. I go to Chandigarh Road, and then in the evening, I have to go all the way to all the way to Gulistan and Johor. So it it makes me money as well, and it's great. I have I I I, I meet interesting people as well, and. Uh, and, and 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 later on, like people started wearing that badge with with a sense of pride. Um, uh, so I think I think those the, those were those were uh, uh, challenges. And then when it came to the government, I never saw that as a challenge, so to speak, because somehow even in the beginning when we did get banned, it was because the machinery, the the political machinery always wanted to support this because for them it was like wait people are getting facilitated and jobs are getting created so basically someone else is doing my job why should i come and ruin this in fact i should help so any politician would ever speak to on legislation they would help and i felt the the the, the bureaucracy also wanted to help because because everyone we met they were using kareem or their families were using kareem but they were struggling on how to regulate this, what kind of laws to to build. So that was an interesting challenge. So we had to then bring knowledge from other parts of the world, share with them, look, this is what India has done. This is the legislation the state of Massachusetts has passed. This is what's happening in Indonesia, or, or this is what Yandex did in Russia. And, and then we'd come up with recommendations that given Pakistan where we are, and given the laws that already exist, how do we create a win-win? So um, that was that was a bit of a challenge in the beginning, but that also became a very interesting uh, learning exercise for all of us. And and KP was actually the first government to come out and facilitate not just ride-hailing but online marketplaces. They reduced the uh, income tax uh, sales tax rate. They came up with uh, other other schemes to help us, and then every every province caught on. I think that's like the incentive is there, right, for the government to cooperate, because if you're generating half a million jobs, formal jobs that are being paid formally, there is a flow of money going around, wealth is being created, that opens up taxation opportunities and reduces the informal yes. size of the economy, right? So for the government, the incentive is, well, wait a minute, now I have half a million people working in these formal jobs who now maybe down the road have access to credit who can take advantage of modern investment instruments and the whole market grows around that. So to facilitate that, I would say it's, it's important and actually needed for a country like Pakistan, which struggles to formalize yes. itself through the danda. And, and I think KP government was very smart uh, and, and they, they had the benefit of having a, a minister who had just come back from, from McKinsey, Tem, Temur Chagra, 
so he said, look, this makes sense. I want more and more. Uh, I want more and more tech companies to come and lay their foundations in in KP. So I'll I'll, I'll come up with a uh, with a with a reduced rate for sales tax on on the on the platform, and we'll put sales tax on the captain, but at zero rating. That doesn't mean it's not there. It's just zero rated for now, which means the data starts getting collected, and slowly we will we will grow this and. And 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 actually, they were very smart. They they took the numbers from BRT and other projects, and they said, "Here are here's our cost. Go back and do a comparison for us. If we were to invest in in these projects, and it were to serve X million people by the end of five years, versus that, if we were to incentivize Kareem and Uber and Bikeia." And and swivel and and airlift and if they were to facilitate the same number of people, how much capex are we not spending? How many more people are getting served? How many jobs are getting created? And versus how much revenue are we getting? So the numbers were like so clear as light and day. Like job creation was like seventy x. The 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 financial numbers were so great. Uh, but uh, but he but they put good stipulation. They said, okay, your numbers good make sense on paper. We will we will do an audit every year. Mm-hmm. If you're really delivering, if if platforms are delivering on what they're saying, then great. Then it's the government's job to look. If you look at if you look at Europe, I mean, public transport was built in Europe what like hundred years ago, so like or, or between fifty and hundred years ago, depending. I mean. Imagining, imagine putting up a full railway structure within a city in this day and age at these real estate prices. It's hard. So, but I think, I think, I think the. I mean, if if you're if you're a pioneer as Kareem is in most countries, this kind of work is is and we, the way we used to see it is like we're we're spending so much time and money on this. And an effort on this. This is a public good we're creating. It will be used. These are the railroads that other startups will use, and and that's amazing. Well, that's the other thing, right? I had um, Jamie Arbib who co-authored this book called Rethinking Humanity. I had him on the podcast a few weeks ago, and we were talking about their hypothesis in terms of electric mobility, autonomous vehicles, food as a software, all these disruptive innovations that are just around the corner. And the one key thing he talked about, and we uh, discussed at length, was that the old systems, the centralized systems of the industrial age, will not work in the age that's around the corner, right? So similarly, laying a big trunk line of railways may have made sense 50 years ago, or having a BRT that is dedicated for a bus may have made sense uh, 50 years ago, but doing that today when you have EVs around the corner and AVs around the corner is not the right investment. Yes, you need public transportation and you need to move people effectively, but you need to do it in a system that is forward looking versus backward looking, right? So if you can develop roads that are potentially 10 years down the line can be piloted for AVs, or if you start laying down the infrastructure for electric vehicles to reduce congestion or or smog in your cities, then that's the investment I would say a, a city should be making versus making a elevated pathway for buses that you know cost a lot more otherwise or if you do that then along the feeder lines is where you do the investments that are more forward looking right 
one thing one 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 sense that i got was uh, it's not that there is a lack of intention like there is there is good intent right that that governments are making whether it's pakistan or saudi or ue every country or or egypt they're putting up infrastructure with the intention that it will enable economic activity and that it will create more jobs uh, a lot of governments may not be uh the advice they may be getting may not be the best advice that's that's the gap i i noticed that if if you take good ideas to them they will implement them look look at saudi arabia if you're talented and you're saudi and you have worked for a mckinsey or a ge or anywhere you are working with the saudi government right now they are a sponge for good talent and they're letting that talent implement modern ideas so that they can leapfrog that's what that's what most economies in the region can do especially pakistan where you have to build a system where you're open to advice and if you open yourself there are pakistanis within pakistan there are pakistanis around the world who will come and solve this for you you have to create that you have to create that enabling environment so talking about leapfrog that brings it's a good segue to the question i had around kareem pay and just in general around digital payments was that it's it's something i wrote about a couple of weeks ago when i started my own newsletter looking oh. at pakistan and how it lags in 4g technology with the region right how it lags as a result of that lags in digital payments lags in majority of digital ecosystem etc but the irony is pakistan was the first country in the region to have a digital id program in nadra and it just didn't build on it right aadhar in india came much later but yeah. because of aadhar india is now far ahead and i was curious to get your thought in terms of like why is it that pakistan has not been able to leapfrog particularly in the payment space where there is just so much potential for formalization access to credit um uh, equality of gender right pakistan i was looking at some data like i think if you look at demographic data in pakistan women have less than half the rates of mobile phone ownerships compared to men in the country so there is a big digital divide but it hasn't been bridged um and it's holding the country back and i was just curious to to get your thoughts in terms of why that's the case and how does that change uh moving forward to really make sure that these innovations uh impact lives in in a phenomenal way look i'm actually very very excited and hopeful about pakistan's uh, digital payment e- uh, infrastructure and ecosystem and and you have to give credit to the state bank of pakistan it is a phenomenal organization uh, now you imagine that it's it's a part of the government uh, it's a government organization so it would it would it would it would be backward looking the state bank and its digital division is incredibly forward looking they've come up with an e money license regime uh, they are helping startups their doors are always open they are so abreast with what's happening abroad it's it's impressive in fact that there are some certain some people in state bank when you go and speak to them you realize wow man this is the first time where you feel that the regulator seems to understand how this game will play out better so so i i i think it's a matter of time what is starting to happen is underlying a lot of players have started building good products i mean you've got the finjas of the world who already have a full emi product ready or sadapay who's building it then you have kareem who's got a very large number of captains and customers and as it get becomes enabled in the in the, in the payments ecosystem uh, just as a first step to solve for removing friction within its own ecosystem now kareem not just as captains and customers 
uh, it's starting to do food deliveries, so it's got merchants. I, I, can you I hear me? I was just going to say, yeah, I can hear you. I was just going to say that that, that was, I was going to, and sorry to interrupt on that, but you have half a million captains with the recurring revenue, right? And so when you enable pay, all of a sudden within your ecosystem, the possibilities are immense in terms of the financial products you can offer to just within people who use your ecosystem. Yes, so it's half a million registered, of course, uh, a lot less active on a, on a daily or weekly or a monthly basis. Uh, yes, that, that, that is, that is that, now if you look at the Kareem, uh, Kareem customers, now digital penetration in the region is very low, right? Uh, uh, the, the, you would be shocked, even in a place like, uh, like uh, uh, UAE, which is probably most digitally advanced and everyone has a bank account and a card, um, yeah, maybe about half the users pay us for our services using digital means like debit or credit cards. In Pakistan, it's 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 super anemic. It's less than it's 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 in it's in single digits, right? So so the room to grow on the customer side, customers starting to use banking tools or starting to connect their bank accounts to digital wallets, that itself is a huge enabler. And once that happens, then being able to pay captains. Um, digitally so that they get instant instant payments and then captains being able to not just withdraw that money or, or do payments to wherever they need to pay but also be able to utilize a lot of the Kareem services well, there's food there's going to be in the super app world more services are going to come so 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 the, so the way the way i see Kareem pay has multiple uh, uh, chapters. It, its first chapter, of course, is to solve for its own ecosystem and remove that friction, and and then being able to provide the same services to a wider group of audience, and eventually, eventually morphing into um, a financial services uh, platform. Uh, 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 of course, quite a few people will attempt to do this. There are banks who are going to try to become digital. There are digital first. Fintechs who are going to try to capture the market and do user acquisition and then there are digital first Super apps like Kareem who already have multiple services and will add financial services and payments on top. So uh, so, so, so so what I'm saying is that there are already a lot of companies who are building really good technology and infrastructure uh, underneath the hood and the state bank is starting to State Bank is very progressive. They're, they're gonna, I think they're going to end up coming up with multiple licenses. There's any money license. They're going to come up with smaller licenses too. And I, I think in less than three years, you, you would see the Pakistan payments ecosystem really, really going leaps and bounds ahead. But that pent-up pressure is there. There's some policy uh, uh, moves that are going to happen. There is some uh, um, unlocking of capital flows that's going to happen. Uh, right now, people are still, uh, you know, foreign investors are shy of investing in Pakistan-only startups because once you put money in, you can't then go out, you can't then open subsidies. So, some of these rules will become clear, and I, th I think you're going to see, you're going to see this explode. Well, that that's exciting, and I hope that the three-year projection is on point or actually understated because there is pent-up demand, and I think it can do a phenomenal thing just in terms of overall macroeconomic stability in the country by catalyzing formalization and digitization um, and social mobility, right? So all of a sudden, if you 
are the super app. And I think that is really the holy grail. And I want to hear your thoughts on what the challenges are to becoming that. But if you pull that off, then you have people transacting day in, day out with your app and you can build credit scores, you can build risk profiles and through that provide financial services, everything from micro pensions and micro investments and micro insurance to loans for your child's college education, right? Based on what kind of profile you have and the transaction data that's on on uh, on the database. So, but SuperApp is the holy grail. I was just curious to get your thoughts in terms of what are the challenges towards getting to that point from a Kareem Pay perspective or any other company that is trying to achieve that that goal of becoming a super app. I think generally speaking, uh, today everybody wants to be a super app. That's the ambition. But you have to be good at some of your own core services. You have to be really, really good and 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 have some have some uh, some 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 decent skill. Um, and 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 that's sort of your core and and then you you keep building on top i mean in, in some ways you could say amazon uh, is, is a super seller in so many ways right it started with one one line of items like books and then it kept adding more and more things and now it's doing amazon fresh where it's getting into perishables and delivering them to your to your doorstep and and customers will trust you with more and more services provided you're good at a few yourself and, and if you're good, good at few yourself, then you can help bring others onto your platform who have uh, built uh, niche services, which they are very good at delivering. And, and when, when they come onto your super app, you're able to give them discovery services. You're able to give them payment services and last mile uh, delivery or last mile fulfillment services. So for instance, if you already have the infrastructure of Kareem and there's some company which has really cracked laundry kind of on demand, then it makes sense for them to, instead of now them going out and doing this massive user acquisition drive, they can plug themselves into the, the Kareem ecosystem uh, or, or any other, uh, other super app. So I think people, you have to be good at the services that you offer. Just by offering many services won't make you a super app. Uh, I think uh, with Kareem, it's a very natural step into its journey. They've done... Uh, uh, ride hailing, done food, done delivery, uh, built that that customer trust across verticals. So, so a player like that ha is naturally more, more, I would say, uh, is naturally more advantaged, if that makes sense. No, I think, and the Amazon example is on point, right? I think I was looking at some data where um, it showed that I think 70 or 80 percent of American households have a recurring revenue relationship with Amazon through Prime. And that is fundamentally built on trust, right? That you as a customer initially joined it for two day prime, but now it's a whole host of services, but yeah. every single one of that is, is, is by far either leading or number two in its capabilities, right? So you as a customer know that if you order fresh from Amazon or if you watch Amazon video, or if you do whatever with Amazon, as part of your relationship, that company will make sure your experience is top notch. And if you do too many things at the same time without making sure they're top notch, it's never going to, you're going to lose trust of your customer at the end of the day. And it's, and it's conceivable. You might do really three products really well, and then you start onboarding new merchants or you start building new microservices and a customer has a poor experience in one of those services. And you may, and this is, this may have been a very loyal customer who's using multiple services from you and you may end up losing them because of that. 
so so this is there i mean yeah it's 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 an interesting it's going to be a very interesting space next couple of years yeah. no that's exciting and before i transition over to sort of getting your advice for young people tuning in and what they should do i know you're leaving kareem pe there's been a lot of media coverage and speculation about why and how and everything related to it but just want to hear from the horse's mouth about <laughs> why you're leaving what's next for junaid ikbal and just clear some of the air in terms of what the media has been talking about no it's uh, it's been a phenomenal journey like five amazing years at kareem we've learned i've had the opportunity to learn so much uh, we started kareem pakistan from scratch literally in, in a room with like three four people a room is borrowed from venture dive um uh, and and then had the opportunity to, to lead kareem saudi as well and, and at a very interesting time sort of between the end of 2017 to sort of uh, early part of last year this was one of the most so, socially and economically transformative time of saudi arabia and then helping lay out the lay out the you know a lot of the foundations for kareem pay i just felt this was the right time for me to to move on it's been it's been five amazing years uh, and and this is nothing new in this part of the world this might seem something new but if you go to asia or if you go to the us especially silicon valley it's very normal that the sort of n minus 1 layer uh, uh from early stages for example i mean when i mean and that's that's in mudassir me working in mudassir from the very early stage uh having worked at multiple businesses it's very natural to then move on at some point and 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 do your own thing kareem is uh kareem is home to me it's uh, it's such a deep part of my uh, identity um it's it's uh, it's it's where i always feel that you know i always wanted to do something which was very meaningful and finally uh, and kareem i found that platform uh, and i and 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 just it just Uh, all all my energy all my capacities were, were were became fully available to me all my mental utilities became fully available to me because it was everything we were doing was so so soulful uh, it it yes it's a business it's op- operationally intensive it's digitally intensive uh, but at the same time there is something very spiritual about it uh, for me and uh, and i felt that this was the right time for me to now move on and now take everything i've learned from kareem um and and do the next thing yeah no, i think me. that's <laughs> i'm not going to ask you what the next thing is we'll find yeah. out soon but yes i yes. think that the point is important about the n minus 1 layer moving on because that's how ecosystems mature and grow right the alumni of the leader go do their own thing or join something else and every everything else rises on top of that and it's something that many um startups and other companies like a mckinsey are proud of right that they bring in top talent they train them equip them let them grow and then let them go to the next thing so that they can do what they want to do and succeed outside of the parent organization as well and i think uh i, I wish you all the best in in your journey thank you. and what's thank you forward to that um i want to you know in the last few minutes of this discussion talk a bit about if someone who's young coming out of undergrad or is in undergrad looking to start either their own venture or joining a hyper growth startup um kareem is no longer it, it's sort of the granddaddy in that sense but you know maybe even a kareem what does it take for someone to succeed 
uh, either in launching their own venture or what is your advice to someone young who wants, is hungry for success and wants to be part of something as revolutionary as the Kareem? So um, I think Kareem is still in a very interesting and exciting uh, stage because uh, while it's while ride hailing may have become big, it's still it's still early, right? Uh, uh, I mean, the entire transport segment is still still very huge uh, in the region. And plus, with Super App, every every year, every couple of quarters, a new business line will keep getting added. So so for young people, it is still it is still a very exciting place to be at. I think I think the most important thing to solve for when you are young is learning. Which company or which venture will give you the most opportunity to learn um, and 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 grow? Uh, one mistake I've often seen young people make is right out of college or something, or 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 they start a startup and they're already talking about valuations. I mean, nobody cares. Like, trust me, and nobody at Kareem spoke about valuations ever. Nobody spoke about uh, exits. Uh, uh, everyone had just put their head down, and we were just working. We were working on whatever we were supposed to work on. It's a large team spread across so many countries, all the way from Cairo to Karachi. Everyone was just waking up every day and solving what they had to solve for. And and then at some point, the sum of parts became really interesting and exciting, and other people started becoming really uh, excited to be a part of this journey. Other people wanted in and, and, and eventually this deal happened too. So my, 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 my pieces of, I, I would give three pieces of advice. One, whether you're joining something or you're, or you're building something of your own, one is focus on learning. B, do not think about valuations and exits. Focus on building a really good business or or, or solving a problem. Uh, and then the bigger the problem is, the more complex the problem is, the better chance of success you have. And this is kind of intuitive because if a space looks problematic and you look at it from a distance, you're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's too complicated, right? It's too hard. But that's where the value is hidden. I mean, everyone can grow potatoes and tomatoes and onions, right? Mining is hard. Mining is complex. Like this, you need technology, you need grit, you'll get... Uh, or, or drilling is is hard because some some drills won't result in in you discovering oil or whatnot. But that is where value is hidden. And as and as as an entrepreneur or as a professional, if you are someone who's doing jobs which are hard, you will become more wanted over a period of time mm-hmm. because. You would have you would have developed grid. You would have developed problem-solving capabilities. And the third point uh, is, and surround yourself by good people. If if you're joining a company, make sure you're 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 getting inspired by the people you're meeting in your interview process. If you're building a company, make sure you're bringing on board other people who you think will inspire you, who are who are values-driven, who who align with you. And who you feel you can learn from, and who will, uh, you know, who will be really determined to to solve solve problems. So I think the, these would be the three three big things that immediately come to my mind. That that's interesting, and let me follow up with a question on that as well. Now, when you look back at like five years ago when you began your journey at Kareem, is there something you would tell your own self five years ago to do differently, if anything? 
No, I think I think I I feel so blessed. I feel so honored. I feel so lucky um, uh, that that this opportunity came up, and uh, and uh, of course, Kareem was a small company at that time. They hadn't started uh, in Pakistan. Even in Dubai, it was based out of a small office. They raised some money, but they hadn't done the big rounds uh, of funding. Uh, if you look at it. Uh, I had three reasons for joining. When when I when I bought it, and I mean we had the conversation. I met Nadasse, then I met Magnus, I met Abdullah, I met some of the board member board members. I even went and attended some meetings at Kareem <laughs> to get a feel in Dubai to get a feel. And uh, interestingly, my brother knew about this. Uh, he he's in tech, and uh, and he knew some people who knew Nadasse as well. He was very supportive. But when before I made a decision. Three things crystallized. Sorry, three things crystallized in my mind. One was that, man, they're very good people. <laughs> they seem to be really smart and yet so humble. Like this, this, this is rare. And I was coming from financial services, so that's it's a little rare combination. That's a shocker for you. It's a shocker. I mean, wait, like these guys are really, really smart, and they've already done good stuff. But why they're really nice too. So that was one. The second was that this will be a free MBA in the new world economy. I had worked in uh, energy, media, and finance. Uh, pretty like industries which existed a hundred years ago as well. I was like, well, I'm gonna get to learn so much. I don't know anything about apps and stuff. And in fact, uh, if you ask some of the leadership at Kareem, that this was their biggest. Uh, fear when they were bringing me on board that this guy knows nothing about tech. Like <laughs> he's like a finance guy. He wears like suits with with pocket squares. Like how the hell will he fit in? And and to me that was the exciting bit. I'm like, wow, man, I, I have a I have a blank slate. I I don't know anything about this space. I'll have to learn every day on the job. And the third thing was, man, wow, what if we can create ten thousand jobs in Pakistan? Hmm. So. Now that I look back, uh, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, these these seem to be the right. Uh, this seem to be the right choice, and it is it's it's been amazing. It's been amazing. What a ride, Alhamdulillah. Well, that that's fantastic. And before I let you go, what are two or three interesting books that you recently read that you would recommend people pick up and and have a look at? Um. I recently read uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. Uh, I found that uh, uh, it it can be a little prescriptive, but but I found this found it to be very very uh, interesting. And I also read uh, uh, the biography of of the Disney CEO recently, and and I thought that uh, it had some of the. I mean, I, I, I would compare it to. Sam Walton's Made in America, which is another favorite book, because uh, when you're growing a business, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of leaders they write about big picture, overarching, all encapsulating stuff. But, but these books really get into the details, which are really useful. Well, I, 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 Principles is on my list. I haven't read the other two, so I'll definitely add those to my list as well. But Junaid, and thank you so one, much. One more, and I read Alchemist for the third time. Okay. The Alchemist. That's a that's a great read. Yeah, that's always a fun read. Uh, 
Thank you so much for taking out the time. This Thank was you. a pleasure and a great conversation and wish you all the best in, uh, in your future endeavors and we'll be in touch. And to all the listeners, please subscribe to our channels on YouTube, Facebook, etc. Um, subscribe to the podcast where, wherever you listen to your podcast and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Zaire. Goodbye.